Come on, Jeff. All uh, right, everybody. The new uh, the new voluntary in action in action podcast. Uh, we're gonna call this little project a voluntary view. Uh, we're gonna give you guys a voluntarianism, vol- a voluntarist <laughs> uh, view of the world, so to speak. Yeah. And the first thing we're gonna talk about is something that's been in the news a heck of a lot lately: policing, the police force. And just before we came on, Justin was talking about how people feel there's a problem with good reason, I think, in U.S. police forces nowadays. All right, Justin? Yeah, the, and there's been a, a big change, especially with the, the last um, situation that had, well, the last big situation that happened, the George Floyd situation in Minneapolis. Uh, I have noticed not just uh, more friends and family and whatnot, but even more conservative conservatives that are saying uh, there's some things that we need to change in our policing system um and if you look at it especially if you can if you compare the way u.s policing is done to other countries uh when it comes down to train the the number of hours that a u.s police officer has to get done for training is minuscule and compared to other countries uh, even if you compare it to a a, um, a barbershop owner, somebody just wants to cut hair, they've got to go to school longer than somebody that has to that's going to go enforce the law with a gun. That doesn't make any sense. And then uh, icing on the cake is we're going to give those people that a lot of times have been proven not to be in the best state of mind. Forty percent of them beat their wives. Uh, and then the other aspect of they do not have the type of uh, training to be an adequate uh, public servant, but we give them a firearm and then we give them a, a shield with the qualified immunity. I'm, I'm sorry, you, you're asking for the worst situation. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, I think, for me, especially the qualified immunity and uh, the training, as you mentioned, too, because I've heard from multiple people in the military who have deployed to kill people that the rules of engagement they have to go through etc much more strict and much more detailed and much worse punishments if you don't obey them then absolutely and what, what's the message of that sending we treat uh, people who are supposed to be our enemies they say halfway around the world better than they treat their own citizens uh, i that's, agree and that's yeah you want to talk about a uh, how to look your absolute worst in the eyes of the public when the people that you see on you know fox news even cnn and whatnot oh the terrorists over there in the middle east they're awful people blah 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 but we will treat them we will go out of our way to treat them with the utmost respect and these are people that they supposedly hate and they call terrorists and everything else. I'm not making any accusations. What somebody does over there in the desert, that's their own business. But uh, how could you treat what's supposed to be your neighbor like a dog and then what's supposed to be your enemy and what you make every all your citizens or what you portray to all your citizens – to absolutely some of the pictures that i've seen from uh, overseas 
where yes, they've got the guy's hands behind his back, whatever, but they're not shoving their knee into anybody's neck. Why? Because they know if they get caught up and they break one of those ROEs, and I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they are stringent as mess. Um, in some ways, they actually hurt our guys, even if we don't necessarily agree that they should be over there. But you want to—you're you're, going to throw somebody in the battle and essentially duct tape their hands and put mittens on them and say good luck. That—that's what ROEs do. Uh, now, there's kind of a good reason for them, but why can't we have the same kind of stringent set of rules to be followed in the U.S. in a home soil? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I agree, and it's weird because you mentioned uh, treating people terrible, like dogs, I think you said, but I saw on, I think it was um, One America News, I think it was just yesterday, well, the day before maybe, but there was a poll probably among uh, conservatives that said just like a huge number still supported the police back the blue and we can't can't disrespect our cops we got to give them more funding not defund them and it's just even if you you know the level of almost stockholm syndrome that it seems like that takes maybe they're just closing their eyes and not seeing hours and hours of footage of cops beating people helpless people killing them maybe they imagine to themselves that it's justified. But we, we don't know what happened before they started recording. Uh, yeah, that's that's one thing I also hate, is the, uh, the police officer is automatically going to get the benefit of the doubt, no matter what, which makes absolutely no sense, considering the police officer here is the public servant. They are serving the public. Right. The citizen, who has not been trained, during uh, to handle violent conflicts, stressful conflicts, everything that a police officer is supposed to be strained, trained for, the citizen is supposed to react better than the police officer. All the police officers got to do is go, oh, I feared for my life. Yeah. And that's it. A lot of times that's enough to get them off. And that's where the issue is in, in, with policing today is there's no accountability. Yeah. And that kind of, we can segue into the uh, one potential solution is voluntary free market policing agencies, which unlike now where they're not accountable to anyone really, the agencies would have to be accountable to the people who are paying them. Now, would you, if you, your local police department, if they did something like the George Floyd situation or the one a few years ago, uh, I can't remember the name, California, Los Angeles, I think, a homeless person didn't put his hands behind his back fast enough and they beat him to death. I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember his name, but yeah. Yeah. But is that the kind of thing you would want to support? You would want to give them your money? I wouldn't. But right now, we don't have a choice. Absolutely. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, when you've taken out uh, the lack of choice, uh, there, there's a reason why the free market works so well. And it's because there's an abundance of choice. You can say Joe Blow down the street and his department, they didn't, uh, they're not cutting the mustard here. Let's go ahead and get rid of them and go pick up these guys down here who I, I've heard has a great reputation. And the problem is, is to most people, to what I would call normies, that sounds crazy to hire a, a independent police force. But hey, go to a baseball game. 
go to a football game, go to a bar, go to um, I, what else? How many places places do we go where there's private security all over? Mm-hmm. What's the difference? And, and the existence of that itself is kind of a testament to that <laughs> that the government's policing doesn't work particularly well. Because if it did, why would they feel the need to pay extra to hire more security than what the government alleges it provides? I agree. And not not just that, but, you know, if, if they're so awesome, why do they need MRAPs? Why do you need uh, all the, the military um, equipment? Uh, I, I'm sorry. If there's anything that uh, Waco, Ruby Ridge, and the rest of those situations have taught us, when you give a government body uh, that kind of, of, I don't want to say power because we're talking about just weaponry, not that kind of uh, uh, fire. We're talking about, well, when you, exactly, there we go. That's the word I'm looking for. When you give an agency that kind of firepower, they're going to use it. I promise you. It, they will find a reason to use it, Especially whether it's from consequences. Yes, yes, and not just that, but in a lot of those police departments, and it, it, it's kind of what happens whenever you have uh, a tight knit group of people, um, whether it's a baseball team, a football team, uh, a platoon in the military, or a police department. Uh, guys tend to egg the, each other on. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a lot of times. They're not diffusing each other. They're they're firing each other up. Yeah. Uh, and then they can try to cover for each other later. That too. Not that that's another big problem is the shield, the blue shield. Oh, uh, if I want to say, you know, if all the good cops came forward and got all the bad cops out, that the world would be great. But unfortunately, it's not, and that's because of the police unions, and that's a whole other problem in this yeah. debacle. Well, and it all goes back to the kind, it goes back to the monopoly, because yeah. with them protected from criticism, from punishment for wrong actions, it's always going to attract the kind of people who will take advantage of that. Yes. Always. Yes. But if you have competition, you can take your money and go to another defense agency. Then the one defense agency that's now starting to lose business, they're going to kick out the problem police officers, the ones yeah. who are causing them to lose money, because that's a bad image to have cops that go around beating homeless people. Yep. Even if you don't particularly like homeless people, who wants to see that? Who wants to be associated with that? Yep. And not just that, but even if that, that private security force, you know, if they get sued, it's coming straight out of their pocket. It's not coming from no uh, taxpayer pool. And that's a really good point. And if you re- you want to shut you want to keep a business in check, hit them in the wallet, and that'll be the same thing for any kind of private security force. Money's good. money's money, man. Uh, it doesn't matter what job you're doing. If it's hurting the bank, you're gonna find a way to make things different. And when the public is the one paying your dollar and they're or paying your paycheck, and it's based on the job that you're doing. You're going to think twice before you pull, pull out your pistol every single time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Not to mention, but even even the very model 
itself. When you think about it, it's kind of archaic. Policing itself hasn't really changed in the past who knows how long. I mean, you wait for a call, you go over to someone's house and they get robbed and, oh, it's too late, or, oh, yep, we're going to shoot your dog, or yeah. you know, whatever. Or you're walking the beat just like uh, sheriffs in London did 200 years ago. But things that are in the free market, you have to innovate. Mm -hmm. You have to get ahead. You have to be the next new thing in order to keep getting money. It's like, I've seen a lot of innovation with technology. I mean, right now, televisions didn't even exist a couple hundred years ago. Who knows what policing would be like now if we had freedom to innovate and compete with each other. Yeah, yeah. We, we could have a lot less lethal interactions in between police and citizens, uh, whether that be, you know, because they found some different type of equipment or um, when it comes to the free market, man, you, you add the free market to anything, the, the, the possibilities are endless, uh, mainly because the free market offers so many more ideas than a what we have now, a complete and total state-sanctioned monopoly on violence, and it's because there's two hands. You've got the hand of enforcement and the hand that's actually writing the legislation, and those those don't work. That, do, that doesn't work. We need some kind of different... We need a different change there. Mm -hmm. um, now, I will say that one of the big problems that we face uh, now, it, it's a cultural problem. Uh, we've been taught for how long if you have a problem, call the cops. Mm -hmm. Your neighbor's playing the music too loud. Dial 911. Right. I mean, that's that's another big problem with this. The Karens are real, and that is an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, not just that, but it, there seems to be a disconnect um, between the average person. Uh, and a very good example of this is with the masks that we've had with COVID. Mm, that's true. There's, I guarantee you, the very same people in California that were up in arms uh, and about the George Floyd situation and police brutality and everything else, I guarantee you a lot of those are the same people that are pushing for a, a mask mandate throughout the state. How do you enforce that? There's only one way. Yeah. Violence through the state, yeah. uh, uh, and that's that's where we need to, as a culture, change that mindset. Uh, it's not it's not the state's responsibility to solve the quarrels between you and your neighbor. Um, it is it is not the state's responsibility to well. It's not supposed to be, but a lot of people have made it this way. It's not the state's responsibility to enforce your opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go, you go back, even the best interpretation, the most favorable interpretation, you could say, of government, I think, comes from the Declaration of Independence. And Jefferson says that the government exists just for the reason of protecting people's rights, rights to life, liberty, and property in the original draft so glad you said it that way 
I hate people listening like to two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, not it. Yeah. But so, and when, I can't remember who said it, but some great guy said that in as much as you give government power to do things for you, you give it power to do things to you. Yes. And the more power you give to the government to make sure your neighbors are doing the right thing, whether it's wearing masks or not being too loud after a certain time of night, not drinking things if you're under a certain age, not smoking a wrong substance, then you give it that same power over your life yes. whenever someone who you don't like happens to get elected. And a lot of times the there's going to be other people that are going to enforce things that you don't like. Mm-hmm. That's why the best means of running a society is let everybody rule their lives the best way they see fit as long as they're not harming anybody else. And I know that that always sounds so cliche, but it's it's the best way to address everything. It, there's so many issues that we could solve if we would just have that mindset as a people. But then then people bring up, especially with the recent <laughs> pandemic, they ask, well, what happens when people don't? They don't do the right thing and they end up putting other people at risk or in danger. The mask thing is a great example because people say, if you don't wear a mask, you're putting other people at risk. Therefore, you should be forced to wear a mask. What do you say a, a voluntary position on that might be? It should be voluntary either way. But here's here's the thing. And a lot of people have taken tried to take the moral standpoint of this. Of If you're not wearing a mask, you're the Im- uh, immoral person in the conversation. Un momento, two seconds. Hey, no problem. No problem. And it's kind of a, an assumption that people make because if you go and look at the actual research it's mixed at best on whether yes. masks actually work especially for viral respiratory infections and it oh there was something I found this week that just creeped me out and I'll see if I can get the I think I can find the link to put it in the description of the video but just a few years ago there was in a dental journal an article published about how masks do not work in preventing respiratory infections. It was a review article, so it went through a whole bunch of primary studies, and the conclusion they came to was, no, masks don't do anything. You can find that article archived now, but the journal has taken it down, <laughs> saying that it's not relevant in today's climate. Well, here's the thing. Even yeah, if you use sense. common sense, just just use common sense. We all what are surgical masks for? What was their main purpose? They were made for surgeons and doctors in the surgery uh, room. That way, if they're cutting into somebody and there's a splurt, they're not getting splurted in their face. It's mean, meant to keep out bodily fluids, not viruses that are at such a small nano. I, I can't even use the term of measurement. Uh, they're going to get through that mask. If if I've worn those masks whenever I'm doing uh, like home improvement projects with my dad or something, and you're sanding something down, you take it, you take that mask off. It's all over the place. It's all over your face. 
and that's a particle that's easily a hundred times larger than the size of the virus. Yeah. And to think that you that's actually much, gonna, much. Yeah. well, unless people are walking around in CDC biohazard gear, uh, you're well, not doing anything. Piece of a T-shirt over your face is right. Yeah. To to yeah. think that you know you're you're gonna save your grandmother because you threw a bandana on your face. No, that's not gonna do it. The be the best way to address this kind of situation is if you have a family member, friend, what have you, that you know is of at risk, do the right thing voluntarily. Go, hey, I'm not coming over for the barbecue. I was just at the airport. We got this whole thing going on. It's probably not a good idea if I come over. Wash your hands, you know, and be a courteous human being and don't cough on people. We'll pretty much be okay, especially when you've looked at how many times they've fumbled the ball on this COVID thing. Uh, where they've gone back and forth on the information, whether it be the mask is good uh, or no, don't buy the mask because we need masks for the hospital workers, or yeah. no, everybody has to wear a mask. Or and and one of the I'll get to that, but I got to mention too when the the creepy thing about the the article that I mentioned it wasn't wasn't they said oh the the science is outdated this isn't you know new research has come out. And they just said it's not not relevant in today's climate. Well, what could be more relevant? But exactly. It's political. Exactly. And that comes the same way with the scientists. Exactly. The scientists that the the ones that were saying the protests against the lockdown are awful. You guys are spreading this everywhere. Uh, we need to stop this. Stop these violent white guys even though it wasn't all white men, but whatever. And then all of a sudden you had the, the Black Lives Matter protests, okay? Those are all right. 26 million people protesting around the country, and that's not going to cause any problems? No. I'm, I'm, and these yeah. scientists, they wrote a paper on this. They wrote, or it was a letter. I can't remember. It was a letter, a paper, whatever. This lockdown's bad. This one's good. Yeah, and people who are just have completely bought into the the authoritarianism just say, well, you got to follow the science. And by the science, they mean what I heard some scientists say. Right. Not that Who's I understand political what scientists are saying. Scientists paid by the government, funded mm -hmm. by the government. Uh. <laughs> right. Right. And that's... And these are the people that are influencing public policy. These are the ones that are influencing the Fauci's of the world. Okay? And to think that for some reason, the vast majority of the country is okay with that. Because I, when I saw that come out where they were just blatantly obvious about their bias, because you can't be a scientist and say, okay, the germ here is okay, germ here is bad. Even though it's both the same germ, they're going to get carried the same way. But because the circumstances surrounding that situation you happen to agree with, all of a sudden, everybody's safe. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm sorry. That's, political. 
Well, to me, that's no different than uh, I can't remember the fame. Fam- it's not Joel Osteen. There's some favorite uh, famous pastor that he blew the COVID away. Okay, you know, do you, do you have you seen the video? Oh no. man, it's hilarious. This guy goes, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, COVID is over. Now look, if you want to pray for people around the world in pandemic, okay. But to me, there's no difference in between the two. A scientist that can show their bias here and then a preacher that's like, I could just blow it away. I, neither one of you make any sense. That's a good point, especially. It's so, so contradictory because they also say that, oh, the, the virus, the pandemic is affecting minorities worse. But these minorities are going to go out and protest and be in close contact with each other and it's just fine. Yep, they're but the, not, they're clearly not following the science. But exactly, but that it comes down to it doesn't come they don't care about science. Science doesn't matter to them. It's political points. Mm-hmm. If if like the example you just gave, they love to say that the this pandemic has hurt minorities worse than anybody else. Now, I'm not uh, I'm not living in Brooklyn right now. Okay, so I don't know the situation that's going on in Brooklyn. All right, but oh, I lost track where I was going. Um, uh, oh, I just had a major, major brain fart. Um, that's okay. I was, I was thinking that if, if they really cared about minorities as much as they say, then they would be trying to. We're trying to push the same mandates they are on everyone else, but even harder, which yeah, oddly would look even more like the people they they say they hate. They'd be passing laws just for minorities, right? Forcing them to wear masks. Well, that's why it's it's still, you know, that's uh, why we believe the things we do. Leave things up to the individual, because then you don't get wrapped up in going, okay, well, what about group A and group B? No. Yeah. You guys take care of yourselves, you know, help each other out, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll get through it all right. And now, I I can somewhat understand how people reacted at the very beginning of this when we did not have all the information before we knew. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, we were kind of flying blind. I wasn't still not keen on the shutdowns. I didn't like any of those. Uh, But they were, they were at least somewhat understandable. There was a stretch, especially for people like us that are like, you know what? Screw you guys. If I want to run in the middle of the black plague, I'm going to do it. But, (laughs) But, okay, people, people are dying. Okay. I can understand being cautious. Right. Exactly. Now we're at a point. Where they're still shutting things down. All this information is out that this virus has been here well before November of 2019. Mm-hmm. We have They're heard low death rate. Right. 1%. Exactly. A virus with a recovery rate of over 99%. And we're still screaming that people are going to kill their grandma. And I know I keep you saying that, but that's what the same example everybody uses. You're going to kill your grandma if you don't wear a mask. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And it goes back to 
I think we kind of touched on this before, but not, I don't think we said it specifically, people expecting the government to take care of them, really a symptom of responsibility for yourself, mm -hmm. transferring it to someone else. Yes. I want you to be responsible if I get sick. It's not my fault. You didn't do the right thing. Right. If you had done the right thing, I wouldn't have been in this situation. But that's that's not the kind of thing you can say to someone unless they actually did something to you. Exactly. If they came and broke into your house or crashed their car into yours, then that's understandable. But if they don't take the proper precautions that you think they should, that's their choice. They're not responsible for your health. Correct. It'd make as much sense as saying, well, I, I am overweight and fat. Why didn't you stop me from eating all those cheesecakes? Yes. This is your fault. The only time that it would, the fault would be on the person that's actually sick or has the COVID, the Kong flu, whatever you want to call it, uh, if they are absolutely sure they are positive and they walk into some establishment and they start spitting on people, that's another ball game. And that's, I'm sure you would yeah. agree with me, that would be along the lines of assault. Yeah. That would be same as somebody that knowingly has AIDS and is going and having unprotected sex with people. Mm. That's where things are different. Uh, but to harass somebody just for basically living their life, we need to stop the whole Karen phenomenon. Karen, and I, I don't, I don't want to say Ken because they they dubbed the St. Louis couple, um, Karen and Ken, the ones that. <laughs> Bones of bad trigger discipline. <laughs> yeah, awful trigger discipline. All look, I will say it all day. Awful trigger discipline. But hey, the rifle did what it was supposed to. I promise yeah. you, it did what it was supposed to. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm pretty upset about how that turned out. You heard they uh, they confiscated their firearms, right? Oh no, that's oh, yeah, that's see, wrong. That's no wrong. charges. They didn't charge him with anything, but they came and took the rifle. Mm, I like that. Today so you do? <laughs> she loves me now. Aww. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they came and took the rifle. Um, and, and to think that there is a there is a portion of the country that thinks that they were just wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm sorry. I I don't live in a gated neighborhood. I don't. Um, but if I saw a large group of people that just happened to come walking down my street, angry people. angry people that I've heard screaming as they're walking all the way through the neighborhood, mm -hmm. I might I might just sit on the porch and lay it on the wall. Yeah. Uh, but there on the porch. Right. Classic. It, I might do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to go all bad trigger discipline on anybody. I wish they would. I, I will yeah. say I wish they all that money that they had that they had taken it with at least one self-defense class <laughs> or something. Because I'm pretty sure old buddy muzzled his wife like four or five times. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it's the I same. sympathize where they come from. Yeah, it's, it's the same principle we were talking about earlier, bringing it. Uh, full circle back to the police yeah. is that just showing up and taking your stuff without any uh, any 
evidence of wrongdoing without any crime, without any charges. That's not something that a commercial free market police force could do no. without repercussions. No. Because who's going to want to pay the police if you know that they could just show up at your door and take your stuff? That's no only do that. exactly so no the only way that would happen is through the power of the state or the backing of the state. Because I, I'm sorry, I'm not about to go show up. If I'm a police officer, I'm not about to show up at somebody's house and take their guns when they haven't broken any laws or anything uh, unless I know that I've got all the power of whatever state I'm working for behind me. Um, yeah. But and even power. if I was, I could. there's no way I could do that. But uh, I don't know. Well, we think uh, differently. That's true. And it goes back to that giving giving the state the power, and you never know. Today they were coming for that couple's guns. Who knows what they might be coming for next? Exactly. Um, and that's why I, I, I think a big part of all this is, and I know everybody, because especially today, it's an election year, so everybody's worried about who's voting for who uh, and whose politics or what. I'm, I'm starting to come along the lines of we need to have a massive, cultural shift uh we need to go but we need to start empowering the individual more um we need to stop telling our neighbors our family and everything go get food stamps go get on go get uh, uh medicaid go get this no we need to start encouraging uh our, our everybody hey i know you can do better i know right now it's a tight spot you I can help you out, but I know that you can empower yourself and do this on your own. You don't need no big daddy government. You've got this. If we had that kind of mindset, we would already be stripping power from the state and returning it back to the people. Yeah. And that comes back to the culture of calling the police for everything, um, uh, expecting somebody else to do everything for you. Uh, not taking responsibility for things that's supposed to be for you and yours. Karen and Ken did that in St. Louis. They they took care of the problem themselves. That's and true. there was no bloodshed. That's the one good thing about a rifle. It, it, can, it can stop issues before they start. Yeah, it's intimidating. That's why another reason why I think we should be able to have, you know, like 100, 100 round drums on ARs, but that's just me. McNukes. McNukes. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. It goes back to, to the culture. I mean, that's something that has to be changed one person at a time. I think that's something that we're trying to focus on, of course, at Voluntarism in Action. I think especially with our upcoming education initiative, you know, yes. Bring it back to the the COVID scare, with all of the schools. Well, between all the schools closing and all of the crazy stuff they're trying to make kids go through to go back to them, and how much I think at least certain segments of people have started not trusting the government as much oh, as yeah. they did. Why? Lots of people are looking at homeschool instead of shipping their kids back to the government daycare. Because there's think that's going to be that's going to be public schools. You're, yeah. you're basically put, making a bunch of bubble kids. Uh, and, I mean, I was, I, I was at a fish store today. I was getting some fish for the tank. 
my I was with my youngest. Now she's three years old. She's not quite the age of public school, but still a kid. I couldn't get her to stop running up to this guy as he's trying to pull the fish out. And I said to him, they expect these kids to social distance in school? Yeah. And of course, it's just going to be another excuse to punish them. Yes. And they don't. And they don't. Yes. And I think... And... Go ahead. I was going to say, hopefully that will convince even uh, even more parents that this is not something that they should expose their children to. That they should keep them home, teach them themselves, pay someone else to teach them. And I think that's where a big opportunity for culture change comes in. Hopefully yeah. can take advantage of it. Not just us, but everyone in the liberty movement. That Corey DeDangelis, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Carrie McDonald's, everyone supports homeschool personal liberty. Hopefully we can uh, do something to help change that culture. Well, that's that's another part. You know, I I said something yesterday to libertarian friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He had posted something that happened. And uh, I, I guess there was a, a libertarian convention two days ago or whatever. They were voting for. Um, oh, they were voting delegates or something. I forget what it was. Anyways, there was some craziness that happened on the LP convention. I'm so, I, I posted on there. I commented, "That's it. I'm officially an independent." And it's it's because as great as libertarian ideas are, it's another party. It's another political party. And if anything, they're less efficient than the other two. And I hate to say that, but I mean. It, it doesn't help that the two-party system keeps everybody in, in such a crappy spot. Uh, but when you've got somebody like the – well, I don't know. If, I don't think Sarwark is the head of the party. I forget what he is. He's like the, the – thing. Uh, I don't know. He told somebody yesterday to eat a dick. Okay. At this libertarian – Professional. Right. You know – I'm, I 100% believe cocaine should be sold at CVS, okay? I believe in everything up to McNukes. Now, does that mean that I'm going to go try and spread my ideas in a suit dressed up as, uh, oh, what's um, the Whopper, oh, what's the, the, uh, the Whopper burglar? I can't remember, the Burger King I know, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> but am I going to dress up like Waldo trying to spread these ideas? No, no. I, oh, the Libertarian Party, if they would just stop trying to make a circus of themselves and just let the ideas present and fight themselves, that's all you got to do. If you really believe we got the best ideas, just sell them. That's all you got to do. You think you got the? You think you are the best car salesman in town? Sell your cars. You think you got the best stocks? Sell them. They should sell themselves. No, the Libertarian Party wants to put a bunch of the things up that flay their arms around, and they're trying to sell go karts and pass them off as Ferraris. And it, like going back to what you mentioned about the the two party system, not 
not convinced adding another party will really make it any better because no. the system is still the same. The system that relies not on voluntary interactions, but on forcing other people to do what you think is right. And it reminds me of uh, something Murray Rothbard said in one of his books. I can't remember. Read Rothbard. Oh, yeah. He said, uh, any libertarian group or government that takes power immediately confronts a contradiction in the last analysis, liberty and power mm -hmm. are incompatible. Mm -hmm. His power is the power to force other people to do what you want to do. Right. And in that very instant, you've destroyed liberty and yep. become a tyrant. Yep. I agree. I agree. Like um, you said, gotta, gotta sell the ideas. You can't force someone to be free. It, can be done. And that's that's why I keep coming back to culture and agorism. I think that's our really only solution ahead. Whether it, it and it might not, we might have to do what the progressives did, man. Because I, I don't know if you followed the history of, of progressives. Uh, they started back. Um, I think Teddy Roosevelt was actually like the first real progressive because he was uh the one pulling in all the federal lands and everything expanding yeah. the state anyway they did it slowly they changed the culture they changed people's mindsets they changed definitions they changed everything now i don't think we need to go changing definitions but i do think that the best way we not we may never see our idea of what society may look like, but we may be the ones to raise the kids that actually create that type of society. Yeah. And I think so. that's the way that we need to start looking at things. And I think, I think it definitely goes back to education, especially of children. Let me read you a quote. Oh, please do. We cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. Vodi Bakum. I just found this quote the other day. I just found this guy. He's evidently a pretty pretty big in the liberty circles, but I found that and I I That's a profound quote. Yeah. We can't keep sending our kids off to the state to get indoctrinated and programmed and then expect them to come back and go, Daddy, where's my McNuke? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, that's why I think this, is, this could be a big culture-changing moment with people starting to reject the public school model. Yes. And thinking about you know, what we said earlier about the free market, that's another thing where the government has stagnated things with their monopoly. <laughs> I read again an article, can't remember the source sadly, but it was saying how far behind the private schools and charter schools the government is with electronic education, trying to educate kids from home during uh, the pandemic and how the free market stuff could jump on it immediately because they were flexible they had uh they didn't have the regulations and right. rules bogging they didn't them down. have to ask six different bosses how, if they could do something they just did it yeah and i hope more people start to realize 
especially as more resources become available, how much better things can be if they don't kind of pass off their responsibility to raise right. their children onto the government. Expecting yeah, I think someone else to be responsible for you. I think it would be in an ideal world, it'd be a lot easier for us to like somebody in my position. Um, I'm not very wealthy. So it's it's hard for me to stay home with my kids uh, to homeschool because I got to work. But if the government would stop robbing me to pay for public schools, mm -hmm. I'd be more money in my pocket to, you know, to let my wife homeschool or even hire a tutor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that a lot of people don't think about that. It, not everybody is fit to be a homeschooling parent uh, but tutors are out there and i promise you they are a lot of them might be even smarter than some of your public school teachers i'm not crapping on any public school teachers i know you guys are sitting with your you know basically sitting on your hands all day thanks to the government but uh tutors are awesome yeah. you're right they're always where there's freedom there are always options right and to bring that point home, of course, there's the fabulous example of Booker T. Washington and the Tuskegee Institute. Is he, he was a slave. He was born yes. a slave. But then he got freed, and he was fortunate enough to get a spot at an academy, got a scholarship. And he went out, and he said, you know, there are not enough options for former slaves to get schooling. I'm going to start a school. And he got donations from wealthy people to build a school, start a school, and to keep it running. Extremely successful academy, still there today, mm -hmm. completely on donations. And people say, oh, without the government, there'd be no school. Grow up. Right. Grow up. Somebody have you never read a book? Slave. Right. Could build a school. You have nothing at all to complain about exactly exactly uh, and it would be very easy for um like-minded people to start up a school of some sort um especially considering a lot of people have different hobbies uh i i don't know like i'm kind of a history buff i like to go back and you know look at different periods throughout history um my wife, she's she's more into uh, sciences and uh, which I I'm kind of a science geek too, but she's more into science and literature. I've always been more of history and math. We could split that up, and not just that, but if a a group of friends, you know, ten families or whatever, I'm pretty sure you could find somebody that can read a history book. Pretty sure you could find somebody that can you know do basic math. Because to be honest with you, we don't need to be teaching every kid out in the world how to do calculus and trig. That's absolutely I, I, true. It's stupid. I took pre-cal and trig when I was in high school, and I've never used it since. Never. There's the, – And I, I was homeschooled in high yeah. school at least, and I never learned calculus or trigonometry. I have a master's degree in science. Never used them. Hey, boom. I, because you don't need them exactly 99% of the jobs out there and I I also I think that 
the plethora of classes that they put on kids, nine times out of ten, it's just a reason to keep them in school as long as possible. Uh, if you were to basically teach kids all they needed to know and then let them learn them, teach themselves everything else that they wanted to learn, all you need is some basic math, uh, adding, subtraction, sub, uh, multiplying division, maybe some long division, nothing, you know, super crazy, some basic history, learn how to read. Once you teach somebody the basis of learning how to read, they can go learn other, uh, whether it be learn other languages, expand your vocabulary, sit there and be like Eminem and read the dictionary. What have you, whatever takes your interest, that person can go out and do, especially today in the world of YouTube and free online classes all, all over the place. Yeah. Project Gutenberg, the... Uh... The LBRY library, yeah. that, what is it, peer-to-peer? -peer, yeah. Peer-to-peer -peer version of YouTube, and they have everything on their educational courses. But it, it comes back to, to voluntarism, because if you force someone to do math, as you were forced to do it, you're not going to like math. No. If you I force just, someone I, to learn how to read, they're not going to like to read. But if you teach someone to learn how to read, and say, okay, here's the library. Pick something to read and read it. Right. They're going to find something and they're going to start reading about it and they're going to like it because they weren't forced to exactly. do it. And they're going to learn and they're going to read more and more. Before you know it, they're an expert on something you never even would have considered teaching them. Exactly. And more than like, well, Nine times out of ten, they're going to be fruitful at it because they do care about what they're doing. They, they're passionate about it. It's something that they want to do. Um, now, is every passion something that you can necessarily monetize? No. But at the same time, I would expect somebody that's l trying to teach themselves a certain profession or uh, trade or whatever to know what they're getting into. But that's part of the voluntary aspect of that. You, you've kind of, you're taking responsibility for it, whether that's you go out and you learn something that's going to make you a millionaire, or you went out and taught yourself something that's going to get you by and going to get the bills done. Either way, you made that decision, and the consequences of that, whether they be good or bad, they fall ultimately on you. Mm -hmm. And it brings back to the ability of the freed market, as we talked about earlier. Because 10, 15 years ago, who could have thought that making videos on YouTube would be a career choice? But it's something you can do. Right. right. That's something that who knows in another 10, 15 years, if we had the freedom, what you could have a living doing. Look, if I looked like Magic Mike, I'd strip on, on YouTube and just stay at home all day. I'd make my own OnlyFans account, but I can't do that. <laughs> you don't until you try. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, they're not, you know, mine aren't that great, but they are decorated. <clears throat> Tattoos only. But, uh, yeah, man, there's, there's so many issues, whether it be the policing, whether it be the pandemic that we have going on today and everybody and their mom freaking out about a mask. Speaking of which, that's, this is the mask that I wear at work. 
Nice. I'm forced to wear a mask. This is the mask I wear at work. Uh, my building operations manager saw it, and he stopped me. And he read it, and he busted out laughing. And he, it's because I haven't – I have – I'm notorious for being a rebel at work. I'm notorious for telling people exactly how I feel about something. I've told everybody and their mom that this pandemic is stupid as crap. Uh, well, no, not the people are acting very, very illogically. The response. That's yeah. exactly. Not saying the uh, virus doesn't exist or anything like that. Yeah. I, response. That's, uh, that was one thing that kind of irked me at the beginning of everything. Oh, this ain't real. Oh, that China isn't really going. I, look, man, they're locking. China's a commie state, okay? They're not going to do things that we agree with. But when they're locking people in their homes with giant bars, there's probably something going on. <laughs> so the guys that were like, no, no, this ain't nothing. They're just going after Trump. Blah blah blah. Complete conspiracy theorists. Yeah, that's that's where you're going. You're, you've gone way too far. Now, do I think that some of these lockdowns and things were a means of influencing the upcoming election? Absolutely, absolutely. Politicians gonna politic. Yep. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And I promise you, they didn't let this one go to waste for nothing. Nothing. Between the the power that they've taken uh, to the, the fear-mongering that they've done to basically scare everybody into their homes and to look like this all the time. At the beginning of the year, which 2020 is a special year, but at the beginning of this year, never would I have guessed, and I don't know how it is up there, but never would I have guessed as I'm walking around through Georgia that it would look like Hong Kong. Because of everybody walking around with a mask. And I, and I know you've got background in the health field. I got a question for you. In a year, how, how bad do you think people are going to be with the common cold? What do you mean, what do you mean by how bad? Uh, do you think that a cold could affect a person more harshly in 2021 than it may have in 2019 because of the abundance of mask wearing, hand washing, germophobia, uh, and basic tearing down of what we've always known as building of an immune system. Yeah, that I'm not sure. I'm not a, not a virologist or anything like that, but I could see it going either way. You know, maybe the social distancing, obsessive hand sanitizing, et cetera. Maybe that means fewer infections. But on the same same time, you're right. Uh, the immune system does not get stronger by exposing it to nothing. Right. So. And that's, that's kind of where, and I was just curious about that. Because um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not freaking out about COVID. I'm now... Could I catch it and something bad happen and I'm not here two months from now? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm at the same time, when I go out in public, I cover my mouth when I cough. I don't stand right up on anybody's, uh, up anybody's butt, you know? 
common courtesy and where all of a sudden that's just that doesn't mean anything anymore where not even if so right like the guy that they arrested for paddle boarding in the middle of the ocean how can you social distance anymore being by yourself with a 10-foot pole that you could easily whack anybody with and you're going to drive out there to go arrest this guy because he's not following your mandate even though he's as socially distanced as you could possibly be uh that's that's where all this to me it's about control even the karens in the grocery store as they're screaming bloody murder at somebody right here you're right here in somebody's face that you're screaming at because they don't have a mask but you're acting belligerent literally six inches from them. Yeah. Uh, to me, there's so much more about control, compliance, and obey than actually trying to save anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe even the two the two are linked together in their minds if we can if they can control people then they can save them but i guarantee then they are not the first people to have had those thoughts and usually it ends with a pile of bodies yep millions high thinking that by controlling people and forcing them to do things you can save them i know what's in your best interest mm-hmm. those do it that, or i'll shoot you right uh, that's and they that, never think of it to themselves as that no. way oh, oh it's just it's just a fine you know why why can't you just do this for for everyone's sake because it's but, it, i wonder where it started out at where did all this start because you know there was a law at some point that was passed and i don't know what it, what it was it had but there had to have been some erroneous BS law that had to have been passed somewhere that kind of kick-started all this. Just pay a fine. Just do this. Just pay the fine, and you just go on about your day. I, w- I wonder when that change happened. Yeah. I wonder if that happened during the progressive era. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but but yeah. I'm trying to imagine the founding fathers. Like I'm trying to think. Imagine Ben Franklin standing there with a parking parking ticket going oh i just got to pay the fine what see what i think of is like ben franklin going you can you know what you can find this and it it makes me think of i know people have a lot of mixed opinions on him but uh, jordan peterson someone i really respect because of how he handled people trying to force him to say certain words yeah and he just said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. This yeah. is force. It shouldn't be good. And people tried to say that to him. Oh, no, it's, what do you mean talking about force? It's just a fine. And he said to them, what happens if I don't pay the fine? Exactly. Because I won't. Exactly. And, of course, what happens is the people with guns come mm-hmm. to force you to. Or throw you in a cage. And if you resist, shoot you. Yeah. And that's what what all of the state's power comes down to. Yeah, that's, that's where nobody takes things to the logical standpoint. 
Yeah. They just see what's right in front of them. This person not wearing a mask. I've been told that's dangerous. Yep. So now I'm going to report this person who is going to either end up getting fined or have the police brought out on them, which then could be turned into another situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. That's like the, the... the guy that got killed at uh, the Wendy's in um, Atlanta. I can't remember his name. Was it? I don't, was it Richard Brooks? I can't. I, I don't want to. I can't. Remember. The parking lot. Yeah, it was the parking lot of the Wendy's. Basically, uh, the guy fell asleep in the drive-through. Okay, he'd been drinking and driving. Not the best idea. All right, I'm gonna say that right out the gate. But uh, fell asleep in the drive-through. Now. At this point, nobody's been hurt. Nobody's been hurt. And this kind of, this is kind of bringing it back to the culture thing. Um, he hasn't hurt anybody. He's just falling asleep in the drive-thru. The, wor- the worst thing that's going to happen to somebody is they might have to wait an extra two minutes on their milkshake. But what happened? Somebody within the Wendy's called the police. Instead, this is what I would have done personally, and I think this is what more people should do. Now... Instead of calling the police, because I'm only calling the police if I need another gun. The only reason why I'm ever going to call the police. And I've got a few, so I'm not calling them anytime soon. That I lost in a boating accident. I lost those in a boating accident. I forgot. Good point. Yeah. I, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it was back in 2017. Anyway, <laughs> uh, instead of calling the cops, walk outside, hey, go, hey, dude, you know, you're in a tight spot. You look like you should probably just pull the car over. Let me call you an Uber. You can come get your car tomorrow. I'll talk to the manager. Nobody's going to tow your car. No problem. Okay? That would have been problem solved. No police got no police involved. Guy would have made it home. Could have got his car. Now, could the cops have done the same thing? Yeah, probably. Because, in theory, because, you know, discretion, uh, they have discretion to do different things, but that's not what they're going to do. We all know, nine times out of ten, they're about enforcing some arbitrary BS law. But this guy was completely compliant and peaceful up until the point where they started trying to throw the cuffs on him. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, you go back to the voluntary the uh, free market police agency they're there to keep your property safe yes so their only concern is not enforcing as you said some bs law but to get this person out of the way mm-hmm. so that your business can continue right and you're their customer so they want to do that as pleasantly as possible yes they don't want to make a scene they don't want to have they want to keep you as their customer, so they don't want people to think of Wendy's in a bad light. They don't want people to think of their company in a bad light. Right. Because they want more people to pay them for their services. Yeah. And if they see them doing things like peacefully taking care of this situation, well, that's pretty nice. Maybe yeah. I want them to keep my business safe or my home safe, my neighborhood yeah. safe. But the police, the government's police, don't have to worry about that because they're going to get paid no matter what they do. Yep. And that guaranteed check is such a is is oh that is such a problem in so many ways, whether it's police, uh politicians, um guaranteed checks, 
do not end in the best performance. I'll put no. it that way. No consequences, no responsibility. Right. Mm. That's that's the biggest part. That's the biggest issue with the U.S. policing system is accountability. And you know, my dad. I was my dad's. He's very conservative. Um, I kind of conservatarian, kind of. He's not on the same lines of you know cocaine should be sold at CVS, but he doesn't think that somebody should be thrown in jail for pot. Um, I, right. I've I'm a little bit at a time. I'm doing my best. Uh, but I was talking to him about the 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 system of policing and the issues that we're having. And he he was like, well, what what's the better? How do you see a better system? What do you, what do you think it could actually change this? And you know, I brought up the voluntary based free market principled policing system. And I talked to him about it, and he said, "Well, how how would you uh, how do you put it? Um, how would you get, how would you keep them accountable as opposed to the government? Because nobody's going to be looking out after him. He kind of he he likened it to Blackwater." Now, not everybody knows what Blackwater is. Blackwater is basically a um, a covert uh, military organization that's they're mercenaries, basically, is what they are. Um, and they've got a bad rap because of something that happened in one country. I can't remember. But what happened afterwards? They got fined. I'm, I'm pretty sure they got fined and hit heavy. Uh, and it kind of took down their company a little bit. And I told my dad, I was like, look, if just like any other situation that you have, whether it be your mechanic, um, your grocery store, whatever, any kind of business that you have a competition going on, you're going to end up with a better, superior product. Whereas now, there is no competition at all in policing. Now, when I say competition, it shouldn't be a competition of how many people we can lock up. That's not a good metric of policing. I'm sorry, that's a shit metric of policing, to be honest with you. Who would want to pay for that? That's not what the customer would want. Exactly. Most of us, all we want is to make sure that we ourselves and our belongings are safe. That's all we really care about. And... I I have enough faith in the average person that they could see a, gr- a a large benefit in between a monopoly, a state-held monopoly on policing versus policing that you have choice. We all want choice. I mean, hell, we're going a la carte on our TV, <laughs> but we can't have the we can't have the same kind of mindset for something that millions of of uh, Americans have bad interactions with all the time. Now, I don't mean bad interactions like you know somebody getting like necessarily a George Floyd situation. Sometimes you just run into a cop that's a dick, you know. And there's nothing you can do about it. What are you going to do? Go tell the judge? There's, I'm pretty sure there's like three judges. There's this one judge somewhere in the, in the um, 
in the Great Plains. I can't remember what state he's in. He's on Facebook all the time, but he's always helping people out. Always. That's cool. You never see that. There's, there's a reason why he's gotten so popular, and it's because it's so rare. You don't <laughs> see that kind of thing. I mean, hell, the one charge that I have, the uh, I got in trouble with three other guys, okay? Basically a criminal trespassing charge. I was sitting on the side of a public road, okay? I still got a charge, basically guilty by association. The one guy that actually made it a crime got off. Why? Because he could pay for a lawyer. Tell me that's not something wrong with the system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's why uh, there's I, I see such a, a a greater benefit for a addressing the culture of policing mm -hmm. the type of, of policing that we do that we do need to go to a not a monopoly that the government has but a choice based free market based uh, style of policing. Mm -hmm. If we were to just do those two things, A, I think we'd be a lot better off in so so many different aspects. I'm I agree. I don't know what happened to the idea of because America used to have it was in the in embedded in our and I keep using this word, embedded in our culture that you were supposed to take care of yourselves, uh, help your neighbor and basically stay out of each other's way well yeah but it, and like you said it's been slow changing that but the culture has changed that's I think the key the key is we've got to draw the culture back that way and like so i think we're just about we've been talking for 70 minutes now <laughs> my phone's okay. almost at the battery but bring it back no that's fine so bringing it back around that's why we're starting in just the next month or two our education initiative to try to get yes. some resources for people like you said justin who don't have the extra money to be able to homeschool their kids all the time don't have the expertise themselves we want to help to voluntarily provide those resources while we yep. can and hopefully that along with the tide of people who are starting to choose homeschool for public school Hopefully that's going to start to change the tide of the culture. And I do think, uh, speaking of that, that we're going to try and do that in two different aspects. I think we're going to do homeschool on one side and then public and uh, private on the other. Um, part of that's because of our philosophy. Uh, sorry, everybody. We think we have more faith than the average parent to, to educate their child than the U.S. government indoctrinating and feeding your kid propaganda for 12 years uh, we think you'd do a better job sue us <laughs> yeah yeah but that's as we say that's our voluntary view yes which is what what this program is all about and our time and my phone battery are just about out so i want to thank you if you're still listening to this <laughs> it's been long but it's been fun thank you justin thank you jeff uh, we'll catch you next time on a voluntary view. We'll have to figure out what our oh, it'll kind of depend on what's going on. I'm sure, but uh, well, I'm I'm sure we'll keep it interesting. Oh, we and will. Hopefully, the next one I'm going to have uh, a VIA background. We'll see. 
Um, nice. Um, yeah. I've nice. got we'll get higher tech as we go along for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. that's definitely for sure. Well, thanks All everyone. Right, Jeff. Have well, a great we'll catch day. you next time and uh you have a good one. All right, you too.